Okay, good morning everybody. We are on Yudalid Amad Aleph. We are about um, two, four, six, eight, line, eight lines down on Yudalid Amad Aleph. And we are discussing, we were, yesterday we were talking about responding to Kriya Shema in the middle. And in the middle of the Prakim versus uh, middle of the paragraphs, in between the Prakim paragraphs or in the paragraphs. And the Gemara continues now. We started to touch upon this briefly yesterday, and we will uh, pick up uh, pick up today. Today's share should be a Ilo Nishama for Chayesatila Basrav Gavriel Pinchas, Kamishabi Rezan, Sibisan Bas Rebi, and for a Rafua Shlema for Ariel Bas Aliyah. Okay. Now, the Gemara continues and says, So they asked the following question. We started to discuss yesterday. What is the halacha when it comes to if someone finds themselves in the middle of Megillas Esther or Halal? Do we say that the same halachas apply, that if someone comes and greets you, you, respond, you can respond, or if you see someone, you can initiate a good morning to them? Do we say, Amrinon, Kalva, Chomer, from Kriya Shema, that what? Just if Kriya Shema, which is Minat Torah, the obligation, B'Shach B'Chav Kumecha, stems Minat Torah, it's biblically mandated, and still, nonetheless, posek, we go ahead and we stop under those circumstances, either to respond or to initiate hello, depending on the level of that person who is who you are talking to, whether it's a year out of fear, kavod, so on and so forth. Halal, which is only Midrabanon, I mean, boy, you have to tell me that you're allowed to? If you're allowed to stop talking to Hashem during Shema, which is Minat Torah, obviously for Halal, which is only Midrabanon, we'll have to see if that's true, if Halal is Midrabanon in a minute. But if Halal is only Midrabanon, you have to tell me, of course you can stop. Or the flip side is possibly that maybe you cannot stop in Halal. Halal might have something that's more machmer, more stringent than Kriya Shema. What would that be? Or Dilma, the opposite <clears throat> or the flip side is Pesumen Nisa Adif. Since Halel and Kriyas Megillah by Esther, by Megillah's Esther, have an added element that there's a Pesumen Nisa. We have to go ahead and publicize the Nase. And all the eyes are watching you. And everything you do is done by Farhesi and Rabim. And if you stop and you go ahead and you speak to someone, it's going to be a bizoy, an embarrassment, and it's going to disgrace the mitzvah. Because maybe this element of Pesumen Nisa that we have to go ahead and publicize the Nase that Hashem did. Maybe we would say that you cannot stop, even though it's min drabanan. So I'm really posted. Why would you think pesuminisa is also the rabbanan? Right, but it's yes, but pesuminisa is hundred percent. But certain things pesuminisa you have to go ahead and do. There's certain even drabanans. For example, let's just take another drabanan. We say that Erev uh, Pesach, you have to get four kosos. What does the Ani have to do? Nothing that he has to do for Darai, so we don't say... There's certain, that's Afhein Hayu, but there's certain mitzvahs Darabana that have an added element to it that are above and beyond what a Darai said. We don't say anyone, someone has to go, even if you're an Ani, go to the community soup kitchen to take Dalek kosos and Darabana. There's certain elements that, that infuse a higher level of stringency, even though they're not the same level of, of you know, biblically mandated. That's a good question. Right, so Megillah Esther, well, Megillah Esther is a special. This halacha, that's the only one of the five Megillahs that we read that actually has a head, that you have to hear every single word. The other four you should you should hear everything, but it has to be from a cloth. The other four technically don't have to read from a cloth from parchment. You can read from a, a regular chumash. Because yeah, because it's pesumenisa. There's an element of pesumenisa that's so much greater by Megillah Esther by Purim than by by all the other ones. It's one of the four mitzvahs of the day. So Amar Lei Posek Vin One is allowed to stop. And you, it's not a problem. You're allowed to stop in halal. 
The Gemara continues, Amar Raba, Yomim Shayachid Gomer Ben Esahalel. Now, this phrase that Hayachid Gomer Ben Esahalel, there are two, we know that there are two types of halal. There's the full halal, and then there's the chatzi halal. We're going to see in a second, when we say gomer is a halal, that means the halal shalim. That's Prakim Kufir Gimel 113 to 118 in Tehillim, written by David HaMelech. And those we say 18 times a year, plus one night, 18 days. Eight days of Sukkot, eight days of Hanukkah, 16, one day of Pesach, one day of Shavuos. Of course, we're talking about in Eretz Yisrael, where there's no Yom Tov Sheni. 18 days plus one night, we said the one night is... Pesach night. In Chos Laaretz, we say 20, 21 days. We add an extra day, the ninth day of Sukkot. Ninth day of Sukkot, one more day of Pesach, because the first two days of Pesach, we say Halal Shalem, and two days of Shavuos. So in, in Diaspora, <coughs> in Galos, we say a full Halal, 21 days, plus night of Pesach. 23 now. When do we say, what? 23 now. No. So when, when do we say, actually, the last... When do we say the last, uh, what do we say in the last two days of Pesach? Anna Rosh Chodesh, Chatzi Halal. Why 23? Oh, because of Yom Tzmot. Yeah, okay. Um, you have to be careful when you say that, by the way. You can get stoned. But uh, <laughs> not in BRS, Baruch Hashem. Okay, so now, so the last, so last two days of Pesach and all of Rosh Chodesh and Cholamoid Pesach, we only say a half Halal. So now the Gemara says, Rabbi says, Yom Shah, Yachid Gomer Ben Halal, days that we complete the Halal, which basically means a full Halal, those 21 days. Plus, uh, plus um, uh, Pesach night. So theoretically, Bain Parak the Parak Posik, it's the same halach as Kriyashma, that just as during Kriyashma, one is allowed to stop in between the prakim, in between the paragraphs to ask someone, to greet someone, to start a greeting for someone in their kavod, and you can respond to your neighbor. But, but Emtza Parak ain't a Posik, but if you're in the middle of a Parak, in, within the second Parak of Kriyashma, Parashashmiya, then ain't posek except to re- ask someone out of Yira and to respond out of cover. The same halachas by Kriyashma. V'yomim she'ein ha'yochid gomer halal on days that we do not complete the halal, meaning chati halal, rosh chodesh, cholamoy pesach, the last two days of pesach, afilu be'emtza, it's a little bit of a lower level, afilu be'emtza, even in the middle of the, of the posek, of the uh, paragraph, you can stop posek, you can stop to respond to anybody or to ask covered. So now, let me ask you a question. Okay, actually, two more lines, and we'll discuss halal. Gemara continues. Ain't is that really so, so that we really pass like Rabba that you are able to stop? Rav Bar Shaba went to Ravina, and he saw that uh, Ravina was saying halal. Was only a chazi halal. That's his rosh chodesh hava lo pasikle. Ravina did not stop. And this was on a chatzi hala, so we see that Rav is not right. So the Mar says, "No, shiny Rav Shava, the chashiv de Ravina." A little bit of a uh, of a of a slight here that in the eyes of Ravina, Bar Shava was not someone that mandated mipnei kavod. He wasn't greater than him in chachma. Therefore, it wasn't on the level that he had to respond. That he had to initiate a conversation out of kavod. But normally, if someone who's greater in kavod or chachma walks over to you on a day of hala, that the chatzi hala, you would be able to go ahead and and respond. So the question is. What exactly is the obligation of halal? Is halal in a Torah? Is halal in a Drabanon? So it's actually not, not clear. So the Gemara in Arach and Daf Yud discusses the 18 days that we just mentioned, that you have to say halal min Torah, the eight days of Hanukkah, eight days, which is interesting, by the way, because Hanukkah itself is only Drabanon. The institution of Hanukkah is only rabbinic. It's not in the Torah, Hanukkah, anywhere. Um, so the eight, we'll get to that in a second. So eight days of Hanukkah, eight days of Pesach, one day, uh, sorry, eight days of uh, Sukkot, one day of Pesach and one day of Shavuos. 
So are those days minatora midrabanan? So this is a very, very well known and big machlokas between the Bahag, the Balachas Gadolos, one of the first ones to list the 613 mitzvahs. He counts all from mitzvahs, I say, from 101 to 119. He counts all 18 days, actually 19 because he includes the Lela Seder, but all, all 18 days as biblically mandated. Whereas the Rambam, we said yesterday, is very clear and adamant that it is not a mitzvah in a Torah. The Rambam says, he, again, he has m- many requirements in order to be canonized in the 613 mitzvahs we discussed has to be one that's everlasting. But the other one, he says, in Shoresh Aleph, is that it has to be Minatorah. All rabbinically mandated mitzvos are not counted in the 613 mitzvos. And he says, since David HaMelech wrote to Hillim, wrote to Hillim, which is Hallel, Prakim 113 to 118, how can it be Minatorah? The only one that's Minatorah, as we discussed yesterday and all, multiple times in the past, is Hallel on the night of the Seder. So the Ramban actually takes the Rambam to task. The Ramban, in his commentary on the Rambam, says as follows, there are many, many examples where we have that the institution of the mitzvah is Minatora, but the text, the template, was only written years later. For example, What do we learn from that? What mitzvah? Davening. Right? The Gemara in Tainis, which, what is the tefillah? Shebelev? Hebi Omer zu tefillah. What is the avodah? Shebelev, excuse me? Hebi Omer zu tefillah. The Rambam agrees that tefillah, davening, institution of davening, is Minatora. Yet who authored the text for davening? Obviously it's not from the Torah. So we see multiple examples. For example, there's also a mitzvah of the Levine used to give a shir every day. They used to sing, that's in the Torah, that they have to give a shira uh, during the, in the Beis HaMikdash. What are those shiras? The shiras say, I'm David, David, it's Tehillim. Even more than that, we know, we'll get to this in Brachas Dav Memches, the Gemara talks about Berchas Amazon. We know about benching is Minat Torah, Yet, who authored benching? The first mitzvah, the first bracha was Moshe. Second bracha was Yoshua. The third bracha was Shlomo. So we, and the fourth one, by the way, was just we, we went ahead and instituted for Anshe Betar, the people of Betar who Yetiv, who is because of Gadosh Baruch who went ahead and 500,000 Yidin Nebuch were, were slaughtered in Betar. They were not buried. Uh, until a year later, and Hashem made a nace that the bodies did not decay, and once they were buried, the Chazal went in and instituted the fourth bracha of benching as a way of giving Akar Satov and Shavach Hodah to Kaddish Baruch Hu for not being mevaz and not for um, um, embarrassing, so to speak, the, uh, the, the, the nifters. So, we see another example, three examples we just mentioned, the Ramban says, that you could have the institution that the Torah mandates you have to in. The Torah mandates the Leviim have to give Shira every day in the, in the base of Mikdash. We have to bench. Who went ahead and authored it? Years later. The Torah didn't, have, didn't author everything, but the institution. Says the Ramban, it's possible that the institution of Halal, that when we record or we remember or recall a nace, a miracle that happened to us on the Yom Tovim, we have to give Shavach to Hashem. I, who authored it? David HaMelech authored it. But that's not necessarily a bomb kasha on the, on the Bahag. In any event, according to everybody, when you say a half halal, Rosh Chodesh, which is not for any necessarily any nace, and the last two days of, of Pesach, those are only Takana or Minog, Divrei Sofrim, whatever it is, even if you hold that the others, like the Bahag, the Ureim, Ibn Ezra holds like the Omen Torah, that's only the 18 or 21 days now, nowadays, 23 days per head, but only 18 days Minat Torah. But when we say Rosh Chodesh, 
or that's a minhag, and those are the days that even the Bahag would agree are only midrabanan. It's a minhag. We'll have to discuss the later time whether you make a bracha on a minhag. That's a whole separate topic that will probably take all 45 minutes, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move that on. We'll leave that for an, another time. Okay. Um, would the Bahag have, have um, held it that pre. pre um, Kriya Samsuf? Pre. Uh, whatever. Pre. Uh, pre. Um, uh, or post based on interest time, um, that the, there were less mitzvot? That, that they didn't come to 6.13, or only after we... I mean, does he hold that it has to be knowing Lodoros? There's certain mitzvahs, well, one, one second, would he say that there were more mitzvahs when the base of English? Well, well, I mean, like, like till, well, um, well, there are certain mitzvahs, mit- till Hanukkah, like, like, before Hanukkah, were there less mitzvahs? Oh, how do you get to 6.13, if Hanukkah took... Interesting. So we discussed this, if you remember, at the end of, um, at the end of Makos, because the Gemara there in Davchav Gimel says, Rabbi, uh, Rabbi, in the name of Rabbi Simlari, that uh, 613 mitzvahs never the Moshe Misenai. So it's interesting that the Ramban says the machlokus there was whether it was never the Moshe Misenai or Nistavu Yisrael. If it was never the Moshe Misenai, as the Rambam learns, then if it wasn't taught to Moshe right there and then, it doesn't count in the 613 mitzvahs. If it was just commanded to B'nai Yisrael, which is the Ramban says, that's how the Bahag learned. It wasn't necessarily it had to be taught to Moshe. It could have come later. Um, <clears throat> As long as B'nai Israel was 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 uh, was commanded. Question is: Is six hundred thirteen the starting point? Is it the ending point? Um, you know, obviously, if he includes these days of Hanukkah as one before Hanukkah, then where to get those uh, those eight mitzvahs from? It's an interesting question. I, I don't know the answer. That's a good question, Ed. Okay. Gemara continues. Now we're going to string along a few gemaras that um, that similar um name of Ashian. So. Tanya Debei Rabbi Ami, the same author, uh, question, people are asking the questions. He asked the following, Me Rabbi Ami, he asked the following. Hashore Bitanis, someone who was fasting. It's not clear, it's a machlokas, whether this is a personal fast, someone took upon themselves, or whether it's a Tanit Sibor, one of the regular days we fast, not talking about Tisha B'Av or Yom Kippur. Ma'u Shayito, is a person allowed to taste food, not for the sake of eating it? He's tasting it, he's cooking, or the wife is cooking, let's say. Either one. And they want to see if it needs to add ingredients. So all they plan on doing is tasting it to get, give their taste buds and sensation, but they have no intention of swallowing the food. If you don't swallow the food, technically you do not need to make a bracha. So the question is, <clears throat> we'll discuss the halacha in a second, but for the purposes of this Gemara, if someone is fasting, are they allowed to taste for the purposes of, of adding ingredients, adding salt or, or, or adding pepper, let's say, if he has no intention of swallowing it? So he answered himself when he took upon himself the obligation to fast. He basically was saying, I'm not going to eat or drink. So he was macabre, he accepted upon himself the prohibition of eating or drinking during this fast. Technically, by the fact that he's not swallowing it, he's not eating or drinking. Or do we say, no. When you go ahead and you swear, you're not going, you swear, you take upon yourself, I should say, not to eat or drink you're actually refraining. You're saying, I'm not going to get any Hanah, which is what we call the Inuyim on Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur. We deprive ourselves. We deprive ourselves. It's a very big machlokas, whether uh, even on Yom Kippur, if someone's dehydrated, can you get IV? What is the Isra when you go ahead and you say you're not going to eat or drink? Is it Hanas Garon? We have the sensation that we feel great on a hot day. You have a nice cold, class, uh, cold glass of water going down your throat. Not only are you getting Hanas Me'ayim, you're getting the benefit of the being hydrated and the nutrition being absorbed in your body, but you're also getting the pleasant, um, you know, being satiated just from the drink. But that would mean if you, ju- the a practical difference would be if you get IV. You're getting hydrated, 
you're getting the benefits of it, but you don't get that satiation when it goes down your throat. So it's all <coughs> contemporary issue today. <coughs> That's the whole thing about the kiddish, right? The caffeine suppositories? You know, the, uh, different time. Okay. <laughs> Someone was making kiddish and he got caffeine suppositories. Anyway, okay. So, um, A hundred percent, yeah. Hundreds, yeah. Yes, yeah, so a lot of people get headaches before because twenty-four hours withdrawal. You just drink some drink before yantif, but uh, take a cup right before yantif. But plenty of people take suppositories. Absolutely, the words off the headache. So, okay. So that, that's a similar question. They do that before yantif. Yeah, I think IV is probably a stronger question, but uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, but the caffeine is not nourishment. It's yeah. to prevent, it's to ward off a headache. IV is nourishment. Right? There's a difference. But uh, I never heard the question. I heard the question posed. I gave a show on this maybe 25 years ago about IVs. Uh, I, I don't remember the, 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 the sides, but uh, the caffeine surprise did not come up then. Um, I can't imagine why. Okay. So now, so it's interesting. We call it inuium deprivation. So maybe if you're, you're not depriving yourself, if it's going, if you're, if you're tasting the food and it's going on your, on your taste bud and it's a sweet taste and you're getting samana, maybe that should be not prohibited as well. So the Gemara says, Va'ika, and the fact that if, and you are getting hana because you're putting it on your mouth, even if you're not swallowing it. So the Gemara says, Amarlai, so Rabbi Ami responded to him, Torem ve'en bekach klum. One is allowed to go ahead and taste on these fast days. It is not a problem because tasting is not, as long as you're not swallowing, it's not considered eating, and you do not violate the, uh, the conditions of the fast. The Gemara continues. Tanya Namihachi goes on to say, Mat emes Listen to this. Someone who tastes, I'm not talking about a fast day now, in general. Someone who just tastes food, One does not require a bracha. Similarly, someone who is in a fast day, therefore is allowed to go ahead and eat, uh, sorry, taste, not swallow, taste, he does not violate anything. The Gemara says one more line, then we'll go off on a little tangent, as we always do. The Gemara continues, Ad Kama. How much is one allowed to taste? You can't tell me you can taste indefinitely. At some point, at some point, it's going to be a problem, and you're swallowing. Well, to see now, are you allowed to swallow a little bit? So the Gemara says, You can taste. You can, ta- you can, until about a revis, a revis is about three to four ounces, give or take, okay? But more than that would be usser. So again, the, the key line... Do you think it would apply the same thing in between eating between meat and milk, not together, but let's say you, you, you taste as you're cooking, so that's an interesting question. The, the re- question is, why is the isser, why are we not allowed to eat meat, milk after meat? So it's a machlokas. Rashi, if I remember correctly, says that food can get stuck in the, in, the, in the cheek or the palate. So you actually be mixing there. It's not just it takes a long time to digest. Sometimes the food is actually stuck in your mouth. Meat is very uh, stringy. And so there's, there's, it might even mix in your mouth, which might be a problem. I don't think that's necessarily the reason. I think there'll still be a problem. Um, but certainly a much more uh, a deeper, uh, deeper answer is needed. We make, we'll get to it, hopefully, we'll, we'll find some reason to discuss about uh, milk, the different um, in Hagim, about uh, milk and meat uh, somewhere later. I'll have to find where to insert it. Okay, so now, the, we just said a very important line, and that is that mat emes, anyone who tastes ain't to bracha, we're not talking about a fast day anymore. So the, in general, a bracha is only required when food is actually consumed. Uh, if food is not swallowed, even if the food provides some level of satiation 
or enjoyment, the Chai Adam rules that one does not make a bracha. So now, what about... So the, listen to what the, what the, what the Shulchan Aruch says. The Shulchan Aruch says as follows. He says, Someone who tastes food for the purposes of tasting it to see whether ingredients need to be added, subtracted. One does not need to make a bracha ad revius. Provided that he only puts in his mouth less than a revius, talking about liquid now, and the, the equivalent of food would be a kazais, less than three to four ounces, or less if it's solid food, less than the um, ton bracha. And th- those who say that if you are going to swallow any of it, even the smallest amount, you would need a bracha, so the first opinion the Shulchan Aruch says. You're only allowed to go ahead and not make a bracha if you don't swallow. Okay? If you don't swallow. Even a mashu. Now, and if you, if you, listen to what he says now. And this, he says, He says, even if you are going to have a lot of it, even more than a revius, according to these people, if you don't swallow, if you're not swallowing, what's the difference if you take a little bit or a lot? You're not swallowing, it's not defined as eating. So that is actually the opinion of the Rambam and the Rif. Now, other posts can rule that any time food is swallowed, even if it's only for tasting purposes, you need a bracha. Meaning, even if you don't swallow, even if it's only for tasting purposes, sorry, even if it's tasting purposes and you swallow a little bit, you still don't need to make a bracha. If the purpose of your eating was to taste the food and you wind up swallowing a little bit, take, take a little bit, yeah. Even if the purpose is for tasting, assuming that it's less nervous, you don't need to make a bracha even if you plan on swallowing it. So how do we pass in la lacha? So it's actually a little, a little unclear. Shulchan Aruch brings both, both, uh, both cheetahs. But if you look, in the, if, if you look at Tosfos, Look at the second to last line. Toem ve'en bekach klum. If you look over there, second to last line, you down off. Tosa says as follows. He says, one can taste it if you're not swallowing it. He says, pirish rabbeinu chanano. So he brings rabbeinu chanano. Shechozer upolit. We're talking about here where you're spitting it out. Polit is spitting it out. If you're going to whoosh it or swoosh it around your mouth and spit it out, delo choshiv hanoa That is not considered hanoa at all. Aval bolea. If you swallow it, lo. If you swallow it, then it, you, you must make a bracha. That's not considered just tasting. Even if your intentions are tasting it, once you swallow it and you're actually getting hana, you're getting enjoyment from swallowing, therefore you would have to make a bracha. Therefore, he says, if someone is going to spit it out, you don't need to make a bracha. However, I will tell you this. According, the bottom line is, according to all posts, can we pass in the today, that if one tastes food and it's going to taste more than a revius or more than a kazais, you have to make a bracha even if you don't swallow. So the two possibilities are, let's assume you're not swallowing. If you're not swallowing, you can have up to a revius and you're fine. If you are going to swallow, most opinions say that you have to make a bracha. Certainly, if you have more than revius, you have to make a bracha. The bottom line is, if you're tasting a little bit of soup, as Alan said, the chicken soup, Friday afternoon or Thursday night, and, and you, you, you taste a little bit less than three ounces, and you spit it out, for sure you don't have to make a bracha. Is the intent uh, applicable? In other words, the soup you're cooking, so you want to make sure it's good. But let's say wine. You know how you go to a fancy wine tasting, and you take a little bit, and then you spit it out, right? So you're not drinking... So, so if you spit it out, for sure you don't need to make a bracha. For sure? If you don't make... If you're not... If, you're again... Getting, huh? no, you're enjoying but that's what they're saying. That's not defined. If you're spitting it out, you're tasting it to make sure you want to... It's not spoiled, let's say. Or you see which bottle you want to spend the $100 on right, for, exactly. for three ounces. <laughs> right? So, so then you decide, but 
I don't know that anyone would say that, that you're tasting it there for different purposes. But again, I'm not sure there's a chilek. If you're not swallowing, you're not swallowing. We're not defining it as hana because we say on a fast day, it's not a problem. Only if you swallow it. But everyone agrees that if, even if you're tasting and not swallowing it, if you're going, halacha at least, if you're going to be taking more than a revis, if you can take six, mouth, six of those, yeah, spit out, yeah. With, you know, like mouthwashing, keep doing it, then you would need to go ahead and to make a bracha. If you're tasting it, you still the ice with a fasting? Yeah, that's what, yeah. You're not violating anything. Swallowing it. Swallowing it for sure or not. So you're not fasting anymore. If you swallow it, you're not fasting anymore. If you taste it and you spit it out, you are. Does that apply to brushing your teeth on a, on a fast day? Ask your local rabbi. Yeah. <laughs> if you taste the chicken soup, you my flesh shake now. If you taste the chicken soup, are you flesh shake? If you don't swallow it I, and, and there's no solid in there, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. If you spit it out. Of, of course. I did the same thing with a piece of meat. No, a piece of meat is different because that gets stringy, it gets stuck in your teeth. Yeah, but, but even in your mouth, you're chewing it. So that's the machlok is Rashi and Rambam, why we wait uh, the, the time afterwards. I don't think so. I would double check. I don't think if you just taste the chicken soup and you spit it out and there's no solid in there, there's no meat to get stuck in your teeth, um, I don't think you're flesh Okay. Batashchis? I don't know if that's batashchis, if you're doing it for a purpose and tasting it. You're not. You're not you're, <laughs> Seasoning. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. Bring me back to camp. My friend, a friend, my said, I don't want to say which camp, but my friend used to, he used to work in the kitchen. He used to see the Jewish cooks sweat into the chicken soup. They said, it's fine, it's fine. You don't taste it anyway. Yeah, so Jeff says, spit it back in the, in the, in the, in the, in the spit it back in the soup. You don't have a problem. You won't even notice it. Okay. Remind me not to go to uh, Gre- taste Greta's chicken soup Friday night. Say again? Yeah, of course. You have to make a bracha. Yeah. And what if you're doing it not for, for health purposes, you're just in the bottle? On, on, on. So that's even, you're not supposed to be eating, but if you're eating and then, then you're not making a bracha, so you're stealing on top of it, it's even worse. So yeah, make a bracha. The best thing is not to eat, obviously, but there, there are certainly circumstances where one can eat if you make a bracha. Okay. That's it's a, it's a separate question, and it's not for now. If you're eating food that's not kosher, if you're eating food that's not kosher, do you make a bracha? That's a separate question. It's a whole nother share by friend. I heard the share like 25 years ago by his friend. What if you're just tasting it? <laughs> Say again? You just have to go to Burger King. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know the halacha. I'm, I'm not sure. These are good questions. I don't know. I have to definitely learn more. Um, I don't know. If, if you're... If you're I, I, I don't want to say... It, it seemed to me that you would, but I don't want to say for sure. It's a machlokas. Uh, of course, but we, we, I'm happy. I, I would love to get into these discussions. I have to find where to. That's a fascinating topic. Do you make a bracha on non kosher food? If you're doing something wrong, do you make a bracha? Are you compounding the, the iser by eating non kosher and not making a bracha? Because you're still stealing, it's still from, from the works in the hands of Hashem, or, uh, or do you not? So, okay. How could you say, uh, give Dovashib uh, on something you put a chas in your mouth? Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's, it's a big machokas. Also, by. by Gets into a lot of topics about eating non-kosher medications, glycerin. Certain medications have uh, gelatin in it. Okay. Anyway, now the Gemara continues. Amarav kolanosin shalom lechaveiro. Anyone who gives shalom, who, who, who greets his friend, kodem sheispalal before he davens in the morning, kiilu asa bama, as if you made a foreign mizbeach, meaning a, a mizbeach for avodas kachavim for avodas zara. Shinemar, as it says, the Pasuk says in Yeshaya, Chidlu Lachem in Adam, 
desist from the man who has breath, who has breath in his nostrils, for why is he deemed worthy? Meaning you're forsaking Hashem for a human being. It's interesting, by the way, that the, uh, the, the reason why we consider it to a, a Bama, uh, uh, which is a, a Mizbeach that's used for Vodazara, if the Marsha says that today, Tefillah takes the place of Karbanos. So if on your way to davening, you stop off and you say hello to Joe Schmo, you're basically saying that this person is greater or deserves more kavod. I have to go to him first than a kashbarko. So it's the equivalent of being makrif to a different god. So that, that's the connection. Since tefillahs today take the place of karbanos, why would they say it's as if you, you say hello to someone for, on your way to shul, we'll see what saying hello means in a second, but you say hello to someone on the way to shul, you're basically choosing someone else before Hashem. It's no different than instead of being makrif on the Mizbeach, you're being makrif on Obama to Avodah Zarah. So that is the, that is the, uh, the comparison. Now, by the way, just um, to take off Eddie's point a little bit, we're talking about before the Beis Hamikdash. So before the Beis Hamikdash, one was allowed to go ahead and build a bama because there was no. Once the Aron was in the Mishkan or the or the Beis Hamikdash, that's when the Isser bama came out because all the Avos made made mizbeachs. Uh, that's how they were makrov karbanos. Once we had a Mishkan, once we had a, a, a Beis Hamikdash, that's where the Isser set in. Okay, so now Mora says. There was no tefillah. I mean, there were, right. There were, correct, but there was still... No, but that was actually bringing carbonos to something else. That, that, that was the actual iser. No, no, but there were bummers. There, there were bummers, there were yes. Yeah, so, so you know, there was no iser to... to uh, there, so, uh, you couldn't rely on this pasuk. I hear what you're saying. No, there, I'm sure there was. I just didn't have this pasuk. Was yeah. there ever any time that we were allowed to do a bummer? Yeah, before the base, before the Mishka, before the base of Mikdash. Yeah, the Avos, the Avos did. Yeah. The Avos made Mizbeach to, uh, again, once it was established, then the Makom, there was a certain, right, which, which was the major problem when, when, we're getting off topic here a little bit, but the major problem was when Yehuda and Yisrael split up, we had, after Shlomo, you had Shol, David, Shlomo, and his son, Rechavam, Yeruvam, Ben Nevat, not Rechavam, Rechavam and Shlomo was the king of, of, of Yehuda, but of, on, on top, you had um, Rechavam Ben Nevat, he made two bombs, he didn't want the people coming back to on the Shalash Regalim because they missed Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim was still kept by Shlomo's son, Rechavim, after the split. And um, if everyone would go to Yerushalayim on the Shalash Regalim, he feared that they wouldn't, they wouldn't want to stay there. So Yerushalayim ben Nevat, he made two bombs. I think one in Dan, and I forgot where the other one was. But he made two bombs, which was completely illegal. So, he, so, even, so once the base of English was there, we're not allowed to big, build outside bombs. So the Gemara continues, and it says as follows. It says, Al-Tikri Bameh. So don't read Bameh. What is this person worth? That you, Bameh, Ki Bameh, Nechshavu. Who deemed this person worthy that he supersedes the Kaddish Baruch Hu That you're going to say hello to him first? Al-Tikri Bameh, Ela Bama. Rather, a foreign Mizbech. Shmuel Amar, Shmuel says, Bameh, Chashavta Lazeb, Why did you go ahead? He says, no, read it as Bameh, but... It's a bummer that why did you think that this person deserves more cover than a Kaddish Baruch Hu by you going to him first? So the Gemara continues. We'll discuss this in a second. What it means? Masiv Rav Sheshes. Rav Sheshes asked the following: Beprakim Shom Neakavra Meishiv. Whoa, whoa, whoa! You tell me you're not allowed to go say hi to someone else before you before you say hello to Akash Baruch We just said this whole. We had a whole daf discussing that you're allowed to respond to somebody during Kriyashma. When do we actually officially meet Akash Baruch Hu? Shmon Esrei. 
So you're allowed to, the Gemara says itself, you're allowed to greet someone before you meet Hashem. We don't officially meet Hashem till we take our three steps forward and, and Shmon Esrei. And yet we said, if someone says hello to you, you can respond. And a higher level person, you can respond to, you could initiate a, a greeting in the morning. And that's before you're speaking to Hashem. So how does that happen? So the Gemara says, Tigmar No, when we say you're not allowed to go ahead and say hello to someone, I can't knock on Jason's door as much as I want to and wake up and say, Jason, how the heck are you? Good morning. That's, that's wrong. But if you're on your way to shul and you just say, say hello to someone, that's different. We're not talking about that. We're talking about when you go out of your way. We spoke about this. When you go to shul, you should not take a more circuitous route. Once you enter the shul itself, go straight to your seat. If you go out of your way because you see your buddy in the corner, that will violate this. You can't go out of your way. If you're on your way to your regular seat and you say hello to someone, that's okay. But when you can't even say the word shalom. When you're supposed to say, we said you're supposed to say safra tavra. Safra Tava. Good morning. You don't say Hashem's name because you shouldn't say Hashem's name in the morning other than to Hashem. So we don't, if I were to see Jason on the way to Shul, I want to say good morning to him as I always do. And I would like to, if I don't, I would like to. So I would say Safra Tava. Good morning. I wouldn't say Shalom Aleichem. You can't say that. But anyway, for our purposes, the Gemara is talking about where, where, um, where a person goes out, would go out of his way. Would, would, would that apply to texting as well? Yeah, you should, you should, yes, it would actually. You, 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 we try not to go in and greet anybody beforehand. Now, let's just read this last paragraph, and then we'll, we'll, we'll discuss one topic. The Gemara says, Anyone who takes care of his own personal needs before they daven, as if he built a far in his beach. What are you talking about? I don't say that. Uh, um, I didn't, I, I, did you say that? Did you actually say that's like building Obama? Amrlu, no. I said it's Usr. I said it's just Usr to do. You could have Avi Bar Avin, Amr of Idi Bar Avin, Amr of Yitzchak Bar Ashin, also the same person Bar Ashin, that's where the connection. One is not allowed to take care of his personal needs, work related needs, let's say, before Davin. We're not talking about if you have to go to the bathroom to relieve yourself so you can Davin. We're not talking about that. We're talking about, let's say, work related needs outside of anything that's going to prepare you for Davin. Righteousness will proceed him and he will set his footsteps on the way. Similarly, anyone who Davin's first before they, when they start their day and then goes on his way will take care of all of your needs. Again, righteousness will proceed him, and he will set forth, he will set his footsteps on his way, and basically means that we are not allowed to take care of our personal needs before we go ahead and we dive in. In the last five minutes, a fascinating, fascinating kasha was asked. So again, we've learned in Brachot stuff, you'd base a couple of go, that the Pasuk lo sochlo al adam, one cannot eat, on, lo sochlo adam has six different meanings. One cannot eat before davening, uh, any, any um, bezdin that goes in and kills someone, they have to fast that day. Um, if someone was killed from Bezdin, you can't go ahead and give the family in the morning, you can't give them any food to eat, the Suda Zavra. You can't go ahead and eat the carbon until the blood was brought. A lot, means a lot of different things. One of them was we're not allowed to eat before we daven. So the question is the post can deal with the following question. If a person needs to eat before davening, let's say a person is hungry and they need to eat, are they allowed to eat before they daven? Let's say Shabbos. You go to the 10. 1030, 11? 10. They drink the coffee before they die. Coffee's different. But that's like having a bagel and So Alan's minion starts officially 10. When do you guys end? 1230. 1230. So let's say 
assuming they said Zman Kriyashma and everything they said Kriyashma Zman, and they're davening out till 12.30. So you're going to tell me that, that you're not allowed, to, 12.30, by Musaf already, you can, you can be having hunger pains, and it's going to stare your kavana. So are, is one allowed to eat or drink before they daven, especially on Yom for Shabbos, where it's much more of, of an issue. So this is what the Shochanach says, Hatsamei Vaharav, someone who was thirsty, someone who was hungry, Harahem Bechlal Cholim, they are considered in the category of those who are ill, you already wake up hungry. And you think that there's no way I'm going to make it. I wake up 7.30 to learn an hour and a half, two and a half hours before davening. And there's no way I'm going to make it till 12.30. Try, to, try not to eat. But if not, if you feel it, you won't be able to do it, go ahead and eat and daven. So we see that if you're going to be hungry, you can go ahead and eat and daven. Listen to the question. That was asked of the Kashuk lover. The Kashuk lover of Ari Tzvi Frommer was the, took over the Yeshiva of Lublin, the Rosh Yeshiva of Lublin, after of Mayor of Shapiro of Lublin, Lublin Arav. <coughs> he was taken to the Warsaw Ghetto and then to, I think, Maidanek in, uh, in 1943, Hashem So he was asked, the Kashuk lover wrote this, for Eretz Tzvi, was asked the following question. He says, What if a person needs to, in, to eat in order to daven with a minion? He has to walk a long time. He walks from the grove over here in Shabbos. He's going to be hungry and thirsty. He's going to need to drink. Or he has a long drive to get to a minion. Is it better to daven in your house, bechidus privately, separately, without a minion, or to eat and then go daven with a minion? That was the question he was posed. Everyone got it? Is it better to daven in your house without a minion and not violate the pasuk of lo sochlo al adam? Don't go ahead and eat on your blood. Meaning, don't eat shlefnei shetespalu adamchem. Don't eat before you daven. Or is it better to go ahead eat? And then daven with a minion. Walk the half hour, drive the half hour, whatever it is. It's my Say again? It's my Probably is, but he brings one side. It's always a safe bet, Marty. Marty's a betting man. Okay. Always. Correct, correct. I didn't pose it to the audience here. This was rhetorical. Okay, so now, so he asks us, he says as follows. It's a very interesting Gemara. Gemara Tainus says as follows that Akadosh Baruch Hu. We have to go in. I'll read the Gemara quickly. It says, A person's tefillah is not answered unless he has proper kavana. So the Gemara brings examples there. We see that there's a couple examples where people have no kavana and yet Hashem still accepts their tefillahs. How do you answer that? So I'm just doing the bridged version. The Gemara says, very easy. If you're going to daven and by yourself in your house privately, you don't need kavana. You need kavana. If you're davening privately to elevate your tefillah to a level where Hakadosh Baruch Hu is going to answer it, you need kavana. But if you're davening with a tzibor, then the masses raise up your tefillah, even if you don't have the kavana. Still davening in, in a minion with a tzibor, barovam hadrasmelach. You're relying on the chaz. There's so many elements that make it more of a chashva davening than even if you personally don't have the kavana. Hashem will listen to your tefillahs. So in a way, in a way, it's basically comparing davening bechidus at home with kavana to davening in a tzibor without kavana. That's, that's his premise. So the person who asked this question says, I don't understand. He says, the Shulchan Aruch says one can eat if they're not feeling well. They can eat if they go. So if you're going to compare then davening at home with, with kavana to davening in shul without kavana, so if I can daven at home, and I can eat, why can't I daven? In other words, the bear hatev, sorry, I forgot to tell you, the bear hatev said one cannot daven with a minion. Better to daven at home, not violate the pasuk, don't eat. This question of whether it's better to daven and eat at home, or whether, uh, whether it's better to daven at home, 
or whether it's better to eat and go to a minion, he said it's better to daven at home. That's what the halacha says, the Bayer Hatev says. So the Kajr Glover was asked the following question. And based on this Gemara, it seems to be that Hashem answers the Tfilos in shul, even if you don't have kavana, as opposed to if you're home, you have kavana. But it equates davening at home with kavana to davening shul without kavana. So if a person is not feeling well, he's a tzomei arab, said the, said the shulchan aruch. If you're not feeling well and you need to daven, daven, eat. And you need to eat before you daven, he says to eat. So therefore, this was the question that was asked. If one is allowed to eat in order so that he could daven with kavana, therefore he should be allowed to eat before davening with a minion. Because the, the Shulchan Aruch says, if you need in order to daven, you need, you need uh, uh, to eat in order to have kavana, then why should it be any different than if I can go to shul even without kavana? But it's the same thing. The Gemara Tainus seems to compare davening at home with kavana to davening shul without kavana. Right? It's the same thing. Hashem will listen to you at davening at home with kavana, or if you go to minyan without kavana, it's more or less the same thing. So the Shulchan Aruch says, if I'm a, I, need to daven, I need to eat in order for me to daven with kavana, then you should be allowed to eat to daven in shul. So why do we say that you can't eat and if you have a long walk to shul, better to stay at home? Does, it's not, doesn't make sense. Everyone understand the question? So he answers as follows. He answers beautifully. He says, the Gemara Tainus was only discussing a segula to have our tefillos answered. When it comes to answering the tefillah, you want the Hashem to answer the tefillos, then davening with kavana at home and davening in shul is equal. Meaning, as far as doing what we can to ensure that Kosh Baruch will answer the tefillos, daven with a minion. But the tzura of davening, the actual kiyum of davening, is you can't compare davening in a minion versus davening at home with kavana. The actual tzura of davening, the ikar davening, is the bodesh Right? <clears throat> the two separate things here. As far as answering Hashem, answering Atfilos, go, go to Davin and Shul. That's better. Right? Or Davin at home with, with Kavana. But as far as the actual, to say that you fulfilled your obligation of Davening, what is Davin without Kavana? The whole Surah, he says it beautifully, I don't have time to read it here. My son thankfully had the Sefer at home, which he has most far. I was able to look inside. He says it beautifully. He says, I'll just read the one line. He says, he says, he says, he says, Mitzvah's Iker by Kavana, the Mitzvah Tfila, the Kavana, Ezra Voloshabalev, have you Omer's Utfila? That is what Tfila. Veinze Maila Levad, Rak, it's Iker Tsuros at Mitzvah's Tfila, he Kavana. He says, if you think it's a Maila to go ahead and daven with Minion, it's also a Maila not to go and eat before davening. Who says one Maila of davening with a Minion is greater than the Maila of not eating before davening? But when it comes to Kavana, that is the actual, most important, central part of davening. So you can't tell me that davening with a minion without kavana is the same as davening with kavana. For kavana purposes, that defines davening better to daven at home. If you, if you want your segulas answered, you, daven, you go ahead and daven with, with, uh, with a minion. But to say you should eat before davening so you could daven with a minion, who says? One's a mila this way, the Pusk says don't eat before davening, and there's a mila to daven with a minion. So you should never go ahead and daven, you should never eat just in order to daven the minion. But if you're not going to be able to have kavana, of course you should eat. What's davening without kavana? So he says, don't ask me the question. Just because you can daven before you can eat, maybe you should be able to daven in order to allow you to walk the daven on the minion. They're very, they're not comparable. One is davening with kavana is the actual kiyom of tefillah. So for that, if you need to eat in order for you to have kavana, eat. But to say that I'm going to eat so I can walk the shul and daven on the minion, that's not the etzem tefillah. That's not tefillah's kavana shabalev. That's a mile to make sure that your tefillahs will be answered. But he says, and that's why he thought <coughs> to defend the bare hate of it's better to daven 
eat and then daven, walk to a minion or, or daven at home, better to daven at home. Not go ahead and violate the Pasuk, because it's a mila. This is a mila not to eat before davening. It's a mila daven a minion. Who says one overrides the other? Have a great day. We'll pick up next week in Meretz Hashem. The answer was, first of all, Chabad Minhag is to say brachas, say korbanos, and say shema before you come to shul. So, uh, thank you, Allenberg, for pointing that. So, the Tzemach Tzedek, one of the Lubavitcher uh, Rebbe's, his daughter asked him, she wants to um, eat early so she can, da- sorry, she wants to daven early so she can get breakfast. He said, you have it the, the way around. You should eat so that you can daven, not daven so that you can eat. Thank you, Allenberger.